You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi everyone, I am Martina Cunha and you are listening to Backstage Talk. Hi everyone, welcome back. Today's guest is a very dear virtual friend of mine, Meg Masseron. She is a freelance arts and culture writer based in New York. She will soon be graduating from Marymount Manhattan College with two degrees in digital journalism and theater history. So, Meg, it is an honor and a pleasure. Welcome to Backstage Talk. Thank you so much. This is so exciting. I've never just been, you know, allowed to run my mouth for several minutes at a time. So this is truly my dream. Yay. Good. (laughs) Um, First, I'm going to let you introduce yourself, share a little bit about your background, um, about your relationship with the entertainment industry and how you ended up working in theater journalism, in entertainment journalism, too. Sure. So um, I am originally from Baltimore, Maryland. Um, I was definitely a theater kid, um, but my relationship with the entertainment industry was kind of like lamenting over the sadness that I would never make it because I am a terrible singer and an okay dancer. Um, so, I, you know, you just, you have to admit your faults as a person. Mm-hmm. I was someone, I knew it was going to take more work to become good at theater than it would to find something else to do in theater. So I always thought like, well, I can be a director, but I knew that wasn't me. And meanwhile, I'm writing on the high school newspaper and I'm thinking, well, if I don't do theater, I want to write for a magazine. I want to write for Cosmo. Um, And then I had the astounding realization that theater journalism is a thing that people do. And then I was like, oh, I could do that. So I, Went to Marymount Manhattan. I started out with just a digital journalism degree. Um, and then I added the theater history to just kind of educate myself more on theater so that I knew what the heck I was talking about. <laughs> I, I'm i not an actor. I could not, I did not know what the word viewpoint meant until like five So, <laughs> And now I'm here trying and trying to graduate, but the pandemic just, you know, woo. <laughs> so um, you're now in New York, and you've been writing for, it's been four years now? <clears throat> Depends on what you deem as credible, right? <laughs> um, you know, I've always just written wherever I could, whenever I could. Um, I started making multimedia content for BuzzFeed when I was 19. I'm 23 now. 
Um, so I guess I would count that, but not necessarily as writing. And then obviously like student newspaper, I, I've done all throughout Mary Mountain. I did it at community college in Baltimore too, but I was officially published, um, and paid for my work for the first time in September, 2019 with my first article for TDF stages about my favorite musical. That, that it's of course, Phantom of the Opera. It's my personality at this point. <laughs> like that's my, that's my brand. <laughs> And I love it. It, it. it is your brand. Like, I, I do think that young people always tend to go for contemporary musical theater. But you and I, I do think we are old souls in Young Buddies. So we go for the kind of classical 80s, 90s sound of musical theater. Oh, absolutely. It's just so much more dramatic. There's so much more flair. I like the modern stuff, but I feel like the modern stuff is so much closer to what I either experience in real life with the storylines, like, you know, yeah. high school stories, or the music is so close to the pop music I'm already listening to. I go to theater because I want to be swept up in the crazy drama. Like, this would never happen in real life. Phantom is not realistic. That is what I love. So I am a like pre-2000s musical theater girl. And I love it. So let's go back to your profession, to journalism. Let's go to the basics for our listeners. What does an entertainment or theater journalist do? There's a lot you can do with it. It really just depends on what the publication you're working for wants you to do. Um, you can just write straight news like this actor mm -hmm. broke his leg last night he's <laughs> now at bellevue or belmont what's it called i don't even know i've never been to a hospital here um <laughs> at a new york hospital because he broke his leg you could write that you can write um a, a wide array of things like news articles features interviews q a's um opinion pieces but you could also do more of the video multimedia stuff. That is where I do not go. Um, cameras are not my friend. <laughs> um, there's there's so much you can do. And then you can be an editor, which is what I would ultimately love to do later in my career. And that is the person who currently is approving my stories, helping me write them, helping me get out there. And I, I think that that is one of the most important roles not only in journalism but in this theater industry is being mm -hmm. a theater editor i agree with you um so what has the, been the best part of writing for theater because you've written for a lot of sources um and you've been covering events lately now like during or yeah during the pandemic you've been covering a lot of events so throughout your career in theater journalism what has been your like the greatest experience you've had honestly i want to say that it's just been being able to get to go to events being able to witness special moments because that's what i thought i was going to be most excited about before i really got out there but honestly it's it's just been publishing deeply personal things about my life that has been the most cathartic healing experience um getting my phantom article out there was almost as effective as the you know thousands of dollars i've spent on therapy um my my fair lady piece for tdf was literally a gift to my partner for our anniversary um so just being able to get everything that stuck inside of me and get it out and put it on quote unquote paper but of course mm -hmm. everything's digital now that is an experience that 
no event I go to, no goodie bag I get could ever match. I love it. And I love those two articles. Like I read them before this interview and I just love them because it's a, it's a very nice way. In, in my opinion, as a performer, I always love to... And yeah, to like mix my personal stuff with either the character I'm playing or the song I'm I'm singing, um, or the dance piece I I am I'm, I I am dancing, um, and it's like a very important part of me as a performer. Uh, so I can imagine, like as a writer too, um, trying to find those bridges between your personal history and the things you're watching or the, the events you're going to is just amazing. Um, how are you dealing with ethics in journalism? Because I know that can be a very like uh, gray area uh, in between your personal opinion and just being this um, midpoint journalist in the in, in the events yeah um it's kind of just how i would describe just resisting the dark side like in star wars the thing is you know with like anakin skywalker and stuff he didn't start out as a bad guy he was someone going through a bad time that was very tempted by all the rewards mm -hmm. the dark side had to offer so i think that in journalism you you just always have to ask yourself if, if there's a direct if there's a decision i'm making you know plan a or plan b which plan is benefiting me and which plan is benefiting the people it should benefit and you always need to choose plan b um i've been taught very well at marymount i've had excellent mentors and i've also just always been you know a journalism junkie that's obsessed with like you know journalists uncovering the truth doing the right thing helping yeah. people i i think that journalists have the potential to be public servants and be you know either heroes or just helpful and that is what i always wanted to do if i didn't do theater journalism. I wanted to be an investigative journalist. Um, and I, I think that there's still a lot of potential for, you know, that right or wrong, good guy stuff in journalism. It, it seems very simple, but even when you're just doing an interview with a Broadway celebrity, you still have to constantly be making the right decisions. First of all, am I choosing to profile and give a platform to the right person? Am I choosing someone that has already had a lot of opportunities and has had a lot of privilege when I could have chosen someone who hasn't had that many opportunities, hasn't had the privilege? So it's all about choosing who to shine the spotlight on. Um, and being careful about your choices, being careful about your language, asking questions. It is a very, very self-correcting career. You have to just constantly be going through your head, like, think before you say this, think before you choose this, what what could be wrong here? Um, so it takes a lot of awareness and it's something that no one will be perfect at, but you have to always try. Yeah, and more now that we as a community are trying to be more inclusive and respective is the word uh, about everyone's pronouns background uh, and all this discussion towards um yeah who who how we treat individuals i think it's it's a very uh, important thing to have in mind not only as a journalist not only as a performer but like across our life what has been the biggest lesson that you've learned through your craft? Oh my gosh. Um, it's, it's something that I'm still kind of teaching myself. Something that I'm still learning is again, like I said before, just 
every little move you make, you need to think about. Last night I was at that Playbill um, Glimmer of Light concert and I was covering the red carpet and, you know, I had my goal to get three quotes for the article I'm writing. And people are coming and going, you know, stars and just amazing people across the red carpet. And I kept reminding myself, like, who here hasn't been heard as much as others? Who or who here might I have an unconscious bias to choose, maybe just because I love them or maybe mm -hmm. because of my privilege in society? I need to choose the person that would not be that person. Um, so I, I really tried to give the platform and the spotlight to people that, you know, another white journalist might not just go for. <laughs> and subconsciously, subconsciously uh, might not go for. Let me work on my wording. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I feel that being young people working or starting to work in the industry, this is really empowering. And those words you just said, for me personally, are very empowering. And it's like, one of the purposes of, of this podcast is shining light on people whose work maybe is always in the backstage, or maybe it's not, people don't see it, but it's there. Uh, so I love it. I love it. In your opinion, where is journalism headed? Because it's been, it's been crazy since before the pandemic, uh, in which people started to move towards more social causes and people went to the streets to protest and do a lot of stuff and make their voices heard. Where do you think journalism is headed? Oh my gosh, that's a big question. It's such a huge industry. There's so many different topics. I think definitely theater journalism, I hope, is moving towards intersectionality and moving towards using our platform and our power to uplift people who do not have as much of a power or um, a platform. Mm -hmm. But also in a very technical sense, this makes me sad as a print journalism nerd. Um, we're going towards digital. Uh, right now, as a journalism student in college, I know that they are really pushing for us to have those digital skills. Um, and it's really daunting because I'm right in between Gen Z and millennial and I lean more towards millennial. And I just was not born into a world with like all the crazy technology that kind of came when I was like 10 years old. Mm -hmm. So it's not as natural to me. So <laughs> it's it's going to be interesting to see that transition for people my age and older in the, in the industry. Like they want you to have video, video skills now, uh, podcast skills, podcast skills even. Um, so that's where it's going in a technical sense. And in an ethical sense, I really, really hope that we're just going to practice mindfulness, practice responsibility, um, and just keep on becoming the most mindful, ethical, and empowering journalists that we can be with our respective organizations and publications. And you just mentioned like this mindfulness towards our work and other people. Um, in that order, how do you think journalism can help the current obstacles in the industry. Now that um, the march on Broadway was a few years, uh, a few months back, uh, and all this, like, things we knew but we didn't talk about started to come to the surface. Um, yeah, how, how do you think that journalism can help the obstacles in the, in the, the current obstacles in the industry? You know, as someone that is not at the top of the hierarchy of journalism, um, I know that it's really, really tricky and it's really frustrating for me because I am someone who fully believes in exposés and, you know, not 
not like dancing around things. And that is, in in my opinion, what journalism is supposed to be in the first place and what it has been for many things. There's lots of movies about this. The Post, the, the one about the Boston Globe. I don't remember what it's called. And there's all these movies showing these insanely important moments in journalism where people pushed barriers and they were like, no, you can't tell me not to publish this. Mm -hmm. And they publish it and it changed the world. And sadly in real life, there are so many more barriers like that, even for just like a simple article on, you know, a reach a recent controversy. So it's, it's really, really hard to break those barriers when you're just the writer or even just the editor, because it goes all the way to the top. Um, so I, I just, I really, really hope that theater journalism, as time goes on, as we demand more transparency and accountability, will be less afraid to cover the topics that everyone already knows is happening. Everyone's already talking about, like, you know, it's, it's the elephant in the room. Yes. And I love it. I truly, truly love it. Um, let's shift a little bit into the events you have coming up. Um, you just covered Playbill. How was that? That Playbill oh event? Gosh. It was it was absolutely beautiful. Um, it was I, I can't describe how it felt after, you know, we're not post pandemic, but we're post vaccine. So I'm personally in a more comfortable place right now. And this was mm -hmm. outdoors. Just being around not only that many people again, but being around queer people and being around theater people. You know, this these are the com communities that I belong to. And uh, I just, I I was like on the verge of tears so many times. It, it was so fulfilling. I'm so happy for everyone that got to go and everyone that got to experience that. And I'm so happy for, you know, the fact that it was recorded and that and anyone can watch it next week. Cause it was, it was so beautiful. Um, highly, highly recommend watching. And last week you covered the Van Gogh Digital Exposition, is it called? Uh, yeah, that was actually a few weeks ago, but I got invited back for like the press opening or some fancy word like that. But um, <laughs> that was definitely uh, a challenge for me because I've never written about art before. I love art. My grandmother was an artist, but it's kind of like I know what I write about and I'm very... Uh, you know, challenged sometimes to get outside of my bubble. But I was like, I love Van Gogh. I'm going to go and I'm going to write about it. And it's going to be good. I hope it was. <laughs> um, but that was that was really special, too, because it did have the intersection of theatricality. Um, David, Cor David Corns was involved with it. And I could definitely see um, his his touch on it. it. It very much reminded me of the Dear Evan Hansen projections. And it was all just it was so gorgeous. Yes, and when when are you uh, publishing the the article on that? Oh, that one's published. That one, Ooh, um, it's was, already. Yeah, it was like three weeks ago or something. But like I said, I went back because I could not get enough. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Um, before we go and before we close, do you have any future events you 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 know that maybe you can get us a sneak peek into? Well, next week I'm going to blindness. Um, so that is very exciting. And otherwise, uh, as a freelancer, things come up very quickly, often last minute. So I have no idea what I will be doing the week after that. But I hope that as theater reopens, I will be sitting in those theaters doing my journalism thing and also geeking out because I like to call myself a professional fangirl. Um, 
because I love Broadway. I'm here because I love it. And now I get to just be here and write about it. It's amazing. And this is a this is a question I know the answer to. Uh, I know that probably as soon as Phantom opens, you will be on that opening night. You know, <laughs> I I'm not sure about that. I I have promised myself that I'm going to wait until I can see someone I haven't seen already, like an understudy um, mm -hmm. or a new Phantom. Um, <laughs> yeah, I've seen it 13 times, so I'm going to try to hold back. But you know what? Maybe I'll be lurking around the outside, just listening to the excited cheers. I don't know. You'll find me. I I am the Phantom of the Majestic. So, <laughs> and I love it. <laughs> okay, last question. No brainers. I know we, you already said you're number one, but top five favorite musical theater shows. Oh my gosh. Okay. Obviously Phantom. Um, <laughs> I love My Fair Lady. I am actually a huge fan of Legally Blonde. Um, I always forget how much I love Les Mis and then I hear one song from it and I'm like, oh yeah, that's, that's a good show. And The Secret Garden. Is that five? I think that's five. Yeah, those are five. Well, Meg... This has been wonderful. Thank you so much for coming over. If someone uh, wants to reach out to you, what's the best way to do it? Okay, um, I am totally fine with you sliding into my Instagram DMs. Some people are weird about that. I am not. I'm not weird about any DMs. Honestly, slide into any DM. You <laughs> that is totally fine with me. And if we, you know, if we have potential to become friends, like I will follow you back. I love making friends in the industry. Um, I'm, I'm not gonna... I'm not going to ghost you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So listeners, you already know, I will leave Meg's portfolio in the episode's description. Go follow her on Instagram and read her stuff because they are great. Meg, thank you so much. It's been amazing. And I really, really love this conversation. Thank you so much. You're the best. Thanks, everyone, for listening to this new episode of Backstage Talk. Remember to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Backstage Talk Podcast. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.